0: Welcome to the Wikipedia podcast. I'm your host Micah Sample, and I'm joined today by two wonderful compatriots here, um, Pastor Sam Jones. How are you doing today? And Kyle, how are you doing today? Sam, you go first.
1: You know, I'm I, I'm doing much better now that you did the introduction that I could not do. I for some reason <laughs> just could not get it going. So uh, I am I'm, I'm thankful. We are a team here, and so I am doing well. Uh, th- thanks for for having us on here today, Micah.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Sam. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm glad uh, that we got through that intro finally. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that the fourth or fifth time's a charm? Uh, but no, I'm doing really say. good. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here as always, although I'm still curious about these two wonderful compatriots that you were mentioning, because uh, I only see the three of us here. Yeah, that would be uh, you and Pastor Sam, believe it or not, because uh, those are the only two other people here besides myself. <laughs> no, let's, but, let's uh, not start lying to the audience here. Oh, okay. Whatever, whatever. You're uh, you're too <laughs> humble. But anyway, um, <laughs> welcome to the Wikipedia podcast again, guys. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate all of our listeners. Um, today, we've got a very, very special episode for you. Pastor Sam, do you want to go ahead and break down uh, what we're going to be talking about today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kyle might be humble, but I'm absolutely not. And so before we even get started, you should give us a five-star review. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on YouTube, uh, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google, Wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to us, you need to go ahead and give us a five-star review, and you need to click that subscribe button. Go ahead and click that like button, too, on YouTube. That'd be great, because we are definitely worth it. That's for sure. But most importantly, I want to tell you that you can go and find out more from Wikipedia at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, it's enemieswithinthechurch.com. You can find all of our articles, all of our stuff there. Go ahead and check us out at enemieswithinthechurch.com. But today, we do have a special episode and a special guest. We have Kay Rubichek. On, And I probably mispronounced her name to begin this because I think I said K. Rubichek, but it is K. Rubichek. And she recently has written this book uh, called Who Are China's Walking Dead? And so we talk a little bit about that. We get to hear about her story and really about how communism and statism has really impacted our culture and how we can go and stand up against that. It is really a great interview. And so I really hope that you enjoy it.
0: Well, absolutely. Um, This is going to be a great interview. This is uh, someone who has actually had hands on experience uh, when it comes to communism and uh, the effects of that. I mean, someone who was held as a political prisoner, um, Uh for goodness sake. So you guys are going to want to stay tuned and stick around for this episode. I assure you of that Um, unless you are a communist, in fact, uh, because I would imagine that actual communists would hate today's episode. you know one of the things that i think that uh we should be mindful of as we go forward with this is the fact that communism isn't just relegated to uh other nations this is something that's happening in our own and so uh we want to hear your guys' stories uh first and foremost contact us at contact at gmail.com if you guys are having stories of uh, communists or Marxist or cultural or economic Marxist ideology infiltrating your church or infiltrating your Christian college or other Christian institution. If you're seeing your leaders go woke, tell us at Wokipedia and we will get the message out.
1: And joining us today with Wikipedia podcast is Kay Rubishek. Now, uh, Kay Rubishek, she uh, she is gone and is a an author and award-winning filmmaker. She's a distinguished documentary journalist. Um, her work is, has appeared on such platforms as Epoch Times, uh, Amazon, the Rise TV, uh, PBS, pretty much anywhere. Her work has gone out and she has impacted a ton of people, and I am excited to have her on today, and for her to tell us just a little bit about her story. Uh, she did recently come out with a book called Who Are China's Walking Dead, a- and you need to go in to check this book out, but uh, th- this book really goes into the idea of, of well, I don't know why I'm talking about the book here. We've got the author right on. Uh, Kay, how are you doing today? Do you want to tell us just a little bit about your book, and also uh, tell us your story um, in, in your family story at, in relation to communism.
2: Thanks, Sam. Sure. I'm really glad to be here talking with you and, uh, and appreciate the introduction, too. It's always nice hearing someone else. You know, I I, I I like to tell my story, but it's nice to hear how other people uh, take that in. And, and it's it's also a good, a good skill to be able to, to listen and learn from others. So I did that in my book, is I listened to a few hundred hours of interviews with more than a hundred um Survivors of communism and mostly from China for this particular book though I have interviewed people from lots of different regimes one of the reasons for that is that my family escaped communism My great-grandparents escaped Russia under Soviet communism in the 1920s My father was born and raised in China as a young Russian boy and when he was 14 uh, after the Chinese Communist Party had taken over he had to escape At that time, they had so called the Great Famine. And I say that in quotation marks because this is kind of a communist term where they make us think something's good. They use a, they really water down or sugarcoat something that was, you know, that was a time where 45 million people died of man made famine because the Communist Party created that, you know, under their policies. Meanwhile, they're sending aid to other countries. So we start to see over, you know, when we look at our time now, we start to wonder why there's some strange policies going on. Why are we sending foreign aid overseas when there's people on our, on our streets who are suffering while our gas prices are going through the roof, while our groceries are doubling, tripling in price. Mm -hmm. This is not the first time. So looking at my family's history. So my family had to escape uh, China under the communist party and they came to Australia and, I was born and raised there and and I I met my husband who had escaped also another communist country, the former Czechoslovakia in Eastern Europe under under communism there before the Berlin wall fell. So myself, I spent a day in a Chinese prison. Um, I was a human rights activist and I was surrounded by police and thrown into prison for holding one word. I did nothing wrong, I broke no law. But I held a word on Tiananmen Square on a banner. That word was compassion. For that, I was put into a prison. I was interrogated violently. I was abused. I was I was screamed at. I witnessed all these sorts of um, propaganda and torture, uh, not torture techniques. I, I've heard all of those. I witnessed more interrogation and violent techniques, but I did witness a lot of propaganda techniques face-to-face with the police officers. And it was just... Mm absolutely eye-opening to see for myself what communism does in a nation where my father was born and raised. And so my family found freedom. Um, we didn't start to see the what's now become really a lot of, there's a lot of full-blown socialist ideology that we're seeing all around us now here in in the US, and Australia. We saw that with the lockdowns. Um, and But I did see that early on. I saw that more than uh, about 20 years ago when I was in college and doing a fine arts degree uh, before I went in and became a filmmaker. But I, I really was forced to undergo indoctrination under uh, socialist indoctrination in that in that course. And I, I couldn't accept it because I just realised something's not right with this. Uh, why am I being taught these things? Why am I not being taught art? Why am I being taught propaganda? And I really started to question things. So I've been on this journey for a few decades now, but what I realize now having two teenage children myself, I realize that my family has been fortunate, very fortunate to have um, faith to hold them together, strong family ties, but also a country to run to. We don't have that anymore. There are, There is no place left to run. America has always been the beacon, but around the world, the concept of the freedom in America has been pushed down. I saw that in Australia because I was taught to love McDonald's, love Coca-Cola, love Hollywood, but hate America. Mm. And this is part of this plan to bring down the break apart, the American state and the, Amer- the American values really. And so that that's very concerning for me because I want to make sure and do the best I can that uh, I raise the alarm because I have access to this information, but I want a, I want a future for my children, and I really value the uh, American freedoms and the founding of this nation, so I think it's something that's definitely worth defending.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I 100% agree with you, and wow, what a story. Um, you know, you were talking about how you were holding up one word, and that was compassion, And uh, one of the things that I find really interesting about communists and socialists in the United States is that they oftentimes like to talk about how they're motivated by compassion. Um, What do you think of that? Do you think that communism, I'm guessing that you don't think that communism is motivated by compassion. (laughs) Um, What do you think it is motivated by, if not compassion? That's what they say it is. So what is it really that motivates this?
2: What a such a fantastic question. Could you imagine if we could have this type of conversation with just regular Americans and just ask those Mm -hmm. questions? So, so, so important. Um, I absolutely agree with you because these terms get taken out of context. Our language is being intentionally changed. In my book, China's Walking Dead, who are China's Walking Dead? I even have a glossary of communist euphemisms at the back. And it's not exhaustive. It's just a, a small list of basically every time when I was writing my book, I'd come across another term like this, the great famine. And, and I'm like, it's not great. I can't say that. I'm lying. And they the a, a massacre. They call it a political incident. It's a lie. It's wow. mass killing of people. And so this is the language where we start, things start to get distorted. And we really have to be very careful with that because now you, you in the U S it's like, Oh, don't say the word woman. Oh, you may get into trouble. Um, mm. this is, is something, or, or, or the word compassion. I'm not being compassionate to, to you. And it starts to, be, but really that where you can start to see the, the, where is the communist ideology is where there's compassion with restrictions. I'm compassionate to you, but not you, you don't deserve it. That's when you start when division comes up and we start to accept that someone is less worthy, that there's groups of people that are less worthy of being human beings. And that's what communism does. They always set those divisions up and they create divisions where someone says, you're not compassionate, but it's not Christian compassion. It's not true compassion. It's, the, it's, it's twisted uh, evil ideology, just using this against us, trying to trick us. It's, it's psychological. They, they love using psychological principles to, to, to manipulate us where they'll say, I want to be compassionate to the earth, for example. That means you may have to die. You may have to give up your private property. You may have to stop using power. You may, we Mm. may just turn off your smart meters on your house. So you like what happened in California today where you cannot, um, you cannot access air conditioning anymore. We, that's compassion. So we have to be careful with language.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's, I mean, that's remarkable that they're doing that in California. I actually hadn't even heard of that, um, until you just now said that, but it sounds like California to me, so. (laughs) Um, You know, you're talking about them utilizing this kind of language and essentially you're you're bringing up the topic of propaganda and you've been through it. And um, in my own limited experience, I've been through some of that as well, but just on um, a Christian college campus or supposed to be a Christian college campus. Anyway, Um, I went to Indiana Wesleyan University and I saw all of my peers virtually. Um, bow the knee to socialism, to cultural Marxism, to economic Marxism, all stripes of Marxism. It was just a fad there. I mean, I saw people, um, who would have, uh, Soviet flags in their, uh, dorm rooms and, uh, they would have the socialist fist on their shirts and they would have a ton of socialist or Marxist slogans, you know, slapped to the back of their computer, um, on stickers. And uh, this was encouraged by professors at a Christian university, supposedly Christian. Um, what would you say, though, to someone who is a young person in a college kind of situation where they're experiencing this kind of manipulation, this kind of brainwashing tactic that you're talking about constantly, 24-7, and they're starting to find that Marxism is attractive to them? Because I don't think that in the U.S. we've had it to the extent that um, we've really gotten to see or reap the the full consequences of communism like it's been in other countries. What would you say to someone, um, to a student who really doesn't have much world experience or even much knowledge of history, um, who is being attracted to these kinds of ideas?
2: But tyranny always comes on a silver platter. It's the easy way out. And that's that's the devil just trying to tempt you. And it, it's it's easy, but you have to, you know, you have, whether it's tyranny or freedom, it comes at a, both of them come at a price. You have to pay something. Freedom, you usually have to pay earlier. It's harder work, mm. but for tyranny, you pay later. And it is it is hard, but you also find with a lot of trends, uh, especially for for the youth, you know, we see this the trends going around on on TikTok and things like that, but they change. And if we can think a little more long-term, then we can hold out a little longer through some of these trends. Because if you notice, okay, TikTok's got this trend going on, and then the next month, maybe the next day, there's a new trend. So if we can try not to be sucked into that, because something that I talk about in my new book um, is that this short-term thinking is is a phenomenon that we have is being really pushed on us with our phones where people aren't mm. reading books anymore. They're not turning pages. They're not thinking about the author of who wrote this. And do I really want to spend a few hours with this person? I don't know. You know, whereas with this technology of just swiping on this tiny little narrow screen, you see a few words and you, maybe you don't even see a few words. You just see a picture and then you swipe and there's something else. Everything's out of context. And so if we get sucked into only short-term thinking, because it's very hard to avoid that, we lose long-term thinking. Now, what does tyranny have? These communists, their plans are 100 years. Xi Jinping, the dictator of China, last year just stated, we have completed our first 100-year plan, ready for the next one. He said that publicly. And ready for the next big socialist, um, I can't remember the what he termed, you know, progressive socialism. Yay! Um They are thinking (laughs) long-term and they want us to just be jumping around with these shiny lights and being, oh, new trend there, oh, new t-shirt there, oh, sticker. So I think for for young people, you you, got to just hold on a little longer. Think a little longer. Mm. Look at some goals. Set some goals a little longer. Find some people you can talk to who they may not have long-term goals, but you can set them and you can tell them about them. And they'll remind you and they'll hold you accountable. Start talking about these things because this may seem really simple, but actually it's fundamental because psychologically they want us to just be jumping around shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny thing, and just follow, you know, spend money here, spend money there. And we forget, we get disconnected from our family. We get disconnected from our faith and from our history and our roots. We forget history when we think short term. So that's what I would say is just hold out a little longer. You really can do it. It may be painful for a little bit, but it's really worth that pain because the, you're going to get the fruits of it afterwards. I believe that.
0: Very, Absol- very good stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, go ahead, Sam. It, it, You know, one of the, the things that when you're talking about being a long-term versus a short-term thinker, it, it, it is kind of terrifying Because our youth today, uh, well, well, by by youth, I I might use that word a little bit broader, even into the mid-30s, it seems like, uh, is youth today. Um, But people aren't even thinking, what are they going to be when they grow up? I've noticed when asking children, they're like, I don't know, they haven't thought about that. But when you don't think long-term, you also inherently have to become dependent on somebody who has the goods you become dependent on that. You lose your independence. And so, I mean, that, that is just, that, that is so dangerous. Uh, have, have you noticed any other trends, uh, that we should really be watching out for and trying to, trying to correct within uh, ourselves, but also within those who are raising in the next generation?
2: Oh, there's so many. And especially with, um, you know, I, I agree with you on, with, with youth being, you know, I've got teenagers and, and it's, it's hard to say exactly when, people are going to leave the nest and, I mean, there's people in their 20s and 30s that are staying at home. Video games is a trend where we can see, again, it's related to technology and I'm not against technology. Technology is, is what it is. It's here um, and we can utilize it for good. But if technology starts to control us, then we, we really, if we allow it to control us, then we are putting ourselves in danger. And so with video games, you look at, there's a big chunk of life that's lost from people who are just connected to video games for that time. And studies have shown that young adults, especially young males, more more subject to this, more prone to this, is that they often are spending a lot of time on the video games and then they come out and they realize they, because we do come out of that. We do come out of youth. Most people do come out of it. And and that's that's a positive thing. We do make that transition, but it is happening later. But if you come out of that transition and then you realise, wow, I, I I didn't really study, um, I didn't earn any money. Um, there is mm-hmm. a big concern that um, you know, they won't get a good job because they don't have any work experience to show and they don't mm-hmm. have the life experience then to teach their kids of what they did to go through those hardships that like our parents went through of like, yeah, it was really hard getting a job. It was really hard um, going to college. It was really hard. Everyone goes through hardship, but when you come out the other side, then you realize, wow, I I did it, I did it. And that, that fear of suffering is what we're being forced to think, accept and be like, well, you don't want to suffer anything. So, so you better just allow the government to make that decision for you, allow the government to pay for you for that instead. And that's when we actually, we think suffering is bad, but those, I mean, we know from the Bible, we know from history, we know that that is, is human life is hard, but that's, if you have that long-term view where you know that there's something afterward, then you, you, you can accept that there are challenges here and you can accept them with a smile. So I think, again, it does come back to that long-term thinking, but I think that affects so much of our life. And uh, and we're going to be seeing the results of that even more over the next few decades, but we still have a chance to kind of stem that tide. I think.
1: Yeah. It, and I think that's an interesting point that we're afraid to go into in suffer. Um, you, you know, it used to be said that there were hill, hills worth dying for. But now I think we are in a, a time when people won't even find hills that they're willing to suffer for, uh, and they're they're willing to go into exchange their freedom, exchange uh, everything that they have in order to go into get a reprieve from temporary suffering and not realizing that they're really prolonging, maybe not even really prolonging, but they're they're heaping upon themselves greater suffering. The more we go into to debt as a nation in the United States, uh, the, the more power that we slowly hand over to... Um, to the government, the more we're actually going to be suffering, even though it might seem like we're getting out of that suffering. I remember specifically at the beginning of of COVID 2020, somebody pleading with me saying, hey, will you just stop speaking up? Will you just stop doing this? And, And his whole motive was he came back and he said, look, I just want to get my sports back. And I, I love sports. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a big sports fan, but I was sitting here going like, you know, I, I will gladly sacrifice watching sports or, or enjoying them in order to go and to have our freedoms. Uh, but do you, do you see that trend and do you see the, if there's, where can we get our hope from in order to get people to be willing to suffer for what is worth suffering for?
2: One as- a really important aspect of that is the family. And the family is, is it, it's a core family. It's a core unit of society. And the, the communists have known that from, from the get go. And it's the biggest block between them having control over us as individuals. Because when they go directly to you or me or anyone else, it's really hard to say no. But when mm-hmm. you have a family, you have a family unit, you've got people to talk to. You've got differences of opinions because you're not, you're not choosing each other based on, oh, I like you better today and then tomorrow and no, I like you better. And then it's, it's longer-term relationships. It's formed not only by blood but who put you in, in your mother's womb and, and who put you into that family with, mm-hmm. with those parents that is not man-made. That's, that's miraculous. And communist scientists are not able to, you know, describe that at all at any length yet. So the family suffers together and they share, they share tribulations, they share uh, trials and they grow in strength. And that starts from childbirth. A mother and a, and a child, uh, a mother suffers through childbirth. It's just how it is, and mm-hmm. and that suffering. Um, when you come out on the other end, and you you see this just amazing little miraculous little being come out of you, and you think, oh my goodness, what? But you forget the suffering, and but you're connected in a way that um, it's very hard to describe. Because again, because I really think it's quite miraculous, and those things bond us. The family bonds are are extremely powerful. And the only way tyranny can really have control over us is if they break those bonds. But if we hold fast to those bonds, then as a core little family unit, and I'm not talking and saying it it must be mother, father, you know, one, one brother, one sister. I, I don't care what it is. There needs to be someone in the world that needs you. If you're targeted for brainwashing, if you're targeted for manipulation and you have no one in your mind that is worth living for then, or worth suffering for or that you care about, you're just going to be – psychological studies show that you're just going to be whipped around like in the wind. You're just going to be flown around and you, you can just land anywhere. You, you've given yourself over to tyranny. But the family unit is extremely powerful. Strong families form strong communities – Form strong societies, form strong nations, and that's the core thing. And that's exactly what tyranny, communists, have all been trying to break down from the very beginning in in every society. And uh, but we have the power of being able to work, work harder on those relationships. You so think about if you really knew that having a stronger family relationship could actually protect yourself or someone in your family, um, whether they love you or hate you, doesn't matter. You could be protecting them. From being brainwashed, really—that's what it comes down to. And I think that gives us something on the human world that that's worth living for, that's worth suffering for. And then, of course, we, we have what's beyond and the the greater faith and what's beyond this life. But uh, you know, we still got to look at what's what's here right in front of us, and that's our family. And yeah, it's not easy, but that's life. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, God instituted and ordained the family, um, as something that he wanted to see throughout the entire world. He told, um, he told man in the beginning, essentially to go forth and multiply and to create family. Um, and that's, that's really, really important. That's really, really key. And I'm, I'm appreciative of what you're saying here. You're you're talking about a kind of forward thinking generational thinking that people just seem Mm -hmm. to have lost, especially people my age. Um, you know, I, I talked about college earlier, and uh, I noticed that a lot of the time students would enter in and they would have had a, a somewhat conservative background, um, maybe not the, the most solid possible conservative background, but then um, they go to college and they think, wow, I'm finally free of my family. That's the kind of mindset that our culture encourages is this idea that, well, you're, you're finally free free to go do what you want to do and to be someone else. And so in order to be cool, you've got to, um, you've got to make that distinction between yourself and your parents ideologically. But if, if students or if, or if prospective students, if children who are going into um, the college age would just think this way in terms of, well, you know, actually, I love my family. I, I want my family to, to, to sur- not only survive, but to thrive in the way that God intended. Um, and I'm a part of that that would go such a long way. So uh, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. Um, and I think that's really, really important stuff. I think that um, every student in the United States should hear that to be quite frank.
2: And, and on to your point, it's, it's not that we, we change. It, it's just normal in, in growing up that we need, we go through that process, especially probably men more than women. They've they found statistically that there, there is that, challenge of looking for authority and, and wanting to become your own person, your own man. And that's, that's great. That makes you, uh, what become who you become as an adult. And, but if we have the family as, as, as a foundation and fathers are extremely important, in that role because it's, it's, it's a lot harder for mothers to play that uh, in the role, but there's states that are, that are really penalizing mothers for getting married. Um, so a lot of single mothers stay single mothers and a lot of children are without fathers. And that is really, um, something that's really, really difficult. Whereas you can go to college and you can go and have a crazy time, but you know, you've, you've got someone back at home to come back to that's going to be, maybe, maybe, um, say, why did you do that? But then they, they're going to make you a meal (laughs) or they're going to take you out and to, to, to play, you know, watch, watch a baseball game or something. You just know that they're going to be there for you, even when you mess up, especially when you mess up. And when you say, "I, I really messed up and, um, can, can we go out and have a beer? It, it's, it's those time types of things where you just know you've got someone to rely on that's outside of your friendship group and outside of your college group. So I think we can still, um, get through college. We can get through, um, these challenges of, of growing up and, and becoming adults, because I think they're always going to be there, but family is the foundation. As you said, you, you know, that was made very clear in the Bible that that's that is. And you can see that in every culture, family is the core unit. And, and I think we've got to come back to that no matter what the challenges are.
1: Amen. Absolutely. We do need to come back to the family. We do need to uh, stay solid and, and build strong family units. And uh, I, I just want to thank you so much, Kay, for coming on to the show t- uh, today. It, it, it's been absolutely great. And so I want to remind everybody, go and check out Who Are China's Walking Dead? This is Kay's new book, and you can find it at krubacek.com. Once again, that's K-A-Y-R-U-B-A-C-E-K.com. You can get it there. That's the place where you can get it and you can get it signed. Uh, Go ahead and and check that out. And uh, also, one of the things that that I just want to remind people uh, with what we've been talking about with family, technology was brought up. One of the biggest things that I always promote is go and spend more time around your kitchen, or excuse, excuse me, your dining room table than you do in front of your TV. Spend more time as a family around the table. In fact, if you really want to get down to it, spend more money on your table than you do your TV. So that way you know that you value it and you'll be sitting there looking and saying, why am I not (laughs) investing time at that table? But thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to Wokapedia podcast. Uh, you can go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, if you're you know, from that Gen Z generation or whatever. Uh, wh- whatever you might want to go and do, <laughs> you can go ahead and, and subscribe to us. Give us five stars because we're worth all five of them. We don't want four-star reviews, only five-star reviews. So go ahead and give us those five stars. And remember to email us at contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Once again, it's contactwokipedia at gmail.com. And I think that's all the things I'm supposed to say. So have a great day and keep standing for the truth. And Micah, are you going to say it?
0: Don't go woke.